The following is a CJBT Productions podcast. This is the Music Halls of Fame podcast number 122. This week, we honor a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 1989, make the case for putting Frank Sinatra into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an early influencer, and our Spotlight Hall of Fame is the Nasui Erdogan Jazz Hall of Fame in New York City. This podcast celebrates those who have made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll also talk about who we think deserves to be inducted into the Hall who aren't there yet, and plus, every week we'll discuss a different musical Hall of Fame, a Walk of Fame, or a music museum, and celebrate someone who's either been inducted into that Hall or Walk of Fame, or who's been showcased in that particular museum. Let's start with what will always be our main focus of this podcast, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Hall Foundation was established on April 20th, 1983. Former Atlantic Records chairman Ahmet Erdogan was the head of the foundation at the time. Three years later, a committee chose Cleveland, Ohio to be the site of the physical location for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum over such cities as Detroit, New York City, Philadelphia, Memphis, and Cincinnati. I say physical location because members have actually been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for almost a decade before the building was officially opened. Cleveland was chosen due to what radio DJ Alan Freed did to promote rock and roll, including mainstreaming the phrase rock and roll, which was originally black slang for sex, and for holding the first rock and roll concert, which was held in the city of Cleveland. Ground was broken for the building on June 7, 1993. It opened on September 1st, 1995. The hall is located at 1100 Rock and Roll Boulevard in Cleveland and gets over 400,000 visitors a year on average. The hall's mission statement is, quote, to engage, teach, and inspire through the power of rock and roll is important. Learn about our history, building, economic impact, and more, end quote. It is normally open 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. with extended hours on Wednesdays and on certain days in the summer months. General admission is $26 with discounts for seniors, kids, etc., etc. Check rockhall.com, that's R-O-C-K-H-A-L-L dot C-O-M for more information and updated hours of operation. 
The year was 1989. The yearly inflation rate in America was 4.83%. The year-end close on the Dow Jones Industrial Average was 2,753. Interest rates at the year's end were 10.50%. The average cost of a new home was $120,000. The average income per year was $27,450. Average monthly rent. $420. Average price of a new car, $15,350. A gallon of gas set you back 97 cents. And a U.S. postage stamp for those of you who remember what a postage stamp is, set you back 25 cents. George H.W. Bush not to be confused with his son, George W. Bush, was sworn in as President of the United States. It was also the year of revolution, especially in Eastern Europe. The Berlin Wall came down in Germany in November of 1989. Revolutions also happened in Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic. Romania's dictator Ceausescu met a not-so-nonviolent end when he was captured and executed against a wall. All of this led to the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. While those countries were giving up on communist rule, another was tightening its grip. China cracked down violently against pro-democracy protests in what became known as the Tiananmen Square Massacre, The famous image of a man standing in front of a row of tanks is from the aftermath of that crackdown. No word as to what happened to that man who stood in front of the tanks. Brazil held their first presidential election in 29 years after military rule had been ended in 1985. A shooting in Stockton, California at a schoolyard killed five kids and wounded 30 other people. The shooter then killed himself. Serial killer Ted Bundy was executed in 1989. The Soviet Union withdrew its troops from Afghanistan. Salman Rushdie published his book, The Satanic Verses, for which the Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran issued a fatwa, which is a declaration calling for Rushdie's death for writing what the Ayatollah deemed was blasphemous. The amount of money offered for Rushdie's death was $3 million. Khomeini himself would pass away on June 3rd of that year. Salman Rushdie is still, as of this recording at least, alive. The Loma Prieta earthquake, otherwise known as the 1989 San Francisco-Oakland earthquake, destroyed parts of San Francisco and Oakland and delayed the Baseball World Series for a couple of days as it was being held in San Francisco at Candlestick Park, and the game was about to start just as the earthquake hit. The Oakland Athletics eventually would end up winning that year's World Series. Also in baseball, a big story was that Pete Rose was banned from baseball for life for betting on baseball games while he was the manager of a baseball team. 
1989 was also the year that Internet service providers started popping up and charging the public for getting on something they proposed that year called the World Wide Web. Deaths in 1989 included artist Salvador Dali, actor-director John Cassavetes, baseball player Lefty Gomez, photographer Robert Maplethorpe, actor Maurice Evans, boxer Sugar Ray Robinson, comedian Lucille Ball, political activist Abby Hoffman, film director Sergio Leone, actor Guy Williams, comedian Gilda Radner, actor Peter Evans, actor Victor French, Olympic athlete Lee Calhoun, Danish Prime Minister Hilmar Bonsgaard, Warner Brothers voiceover actor extraordinaire Mr. Mel Blanc, otherwise known as the voice of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Sylvester the Cat, etc., 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 actor Jim Backus, actor Sir Lawrence Olivier, bull rider Lane Frost, politician Mickey Leland, Nobel Prize laureate physicist William Shockley, race car driver Tim Richmond, social psychiatrist Dorothea Layton, political activist Huey P. Newton, writer Irving Stone, Filipino dictator Ferdinand Marcos, comedian Graham Chapman, actress Betty Davis, Spanish Prime Minister Carlos Arias Navarro, Soviet physicist and Nobel Prize Peace Prize winner Andrei Sakharov, actor Lee Van Cleef, Colombian drug lord Jose Gonzalo Rodriguez Gacha, choreographer Alvin Ailey, and baseball manager Billy Martin. In film, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was the biggest movie of the year. It was also the year that Michael Keaton took the cowl and played Batman for the first time in Tim Burton's first Batman movie. Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. It was also the year that Denzel Washington won his first Oscar for Glory. That was for Best Supporting Actor. Other acting Oscars went to Daniel Day-Lewis for Best Actor and Brenda Fricker for Best Supporting Actress for the movie My Left Foot and Jessica Tandy for Best Actress for Driving Miss Daisy. In television, Seinfeld and The Simpsons debuted. Other shows that started in 1989 included Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Cops, Quantum Leap, Tales from the Crypt, Saved by the Bell, G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, American Gladiators, Alien Nation, Major Dad, Baywatch, Family Matters, and The Arsenio Hall Show. Shows ending in 1989 included Simon and Simon, Dynasty, Miami Vice, Kate and Alley, Moonlighting, Family Ties, Highway to Heaven, The Equalizer, American Bandstand, and The Smurfs. At the Emmy Awards, Cheers won Best Comedy and L.A. Law won Best Drama. TV actress Rebecca Schaefer of the comedy My Sister Sam was killed by an obsessed fan in her own home. In sports, Notre Dame won 
the NCAA football championship while the San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl. Michigan won the NCAA men's basketball championship. Tennessee won the NCAA women's basketball championship while the Detroit Pistons won the NBA championship. American Greg LeMond won the Tour de France. Nick Faldo won the Masters Golf Tournament. Sunday Silence won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness Stakes, but lost the Belmont Stakes. And the Calgary Flames won Hockey's Stanley Cup. In tennis, Steffi Graf won the Australian and U.S. Opens and Wimbledon, while Arantxa Sanchez-Vicario won the French Open. For the men... Yvonne Lendl won the Australian Open, Michael Chang won the French Open, and Boris Becker won Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. In auto racing, Alan Prost won the Formula One Championship, Emerson Fittipaldi won the IndyCar Championship, and Rusty Wallace won the NASCAR Championship. In soccer, 96 people were killed and 766 people were injured when fans were crushed during an FA Cup semifinal game between Liverpool and Nottingham, which was held in Sheffield, England on April 15th. Also in 1989, Arsenal won the English Premier League, at that time called the Football League First Division. Real Madrid won Spain's La Liga. Inter Milan won Italy's Serie A. Marseille won France's League One, then called Division One, and Bayern Munich won West Germany's Bundesliga, and Dynamo Dresden won East Germany's DDR Oberliga. Remember, West Germany and East Germany were separate Germanys at that point. Germany itself would not reunite again until a couple years later. In video games, it was the year for hardware, but not much for games to go with it. Business-wise, Hasbro bought out Coleco, Nintendo released the Game Boy, while Sega took what was known as the Sega Mega Drive and gave it a new name, Sega Genesis. Games-wise, Fantasy Star 2 along with Super Mario Land for the Game Boy was about as good as you were going to get that year. The Nobel Peace Prize went to Tenzin Gyatso from Tibet, who became the 14th Dalai Lama for his fight for the liberation of that country. Soviet Union President Mikhail Gorbachev was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year for the second time. Gorbachev was also named Time Magazine's Person of the Decade. Sean Connery was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. In music, Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel was the biggest album of the year. Other big albums in 1989 were by, among others, Millie Vanilli, Debbie Gibson, Fine Young Cannibals, Madonna, Bonnie Raitt, Alana Miles, Extreme, XTC, Goo Goo Dolls, Soul to Soul, Richard Marks, Tom Petty, The Cult, Great White, The Cure, Nana Cherry, Clint Black, Reba McIntyre, 10,000 Maniacs, Queen, and Prince's Batman soundtrack. 
Taylor Swift was born that year, but you already knew that from the title of her Grammy Award-winning album named after her birth year. Madonna's music video for her song Like a Prayer was banned by MTV. Like a Prayer was also the biggest single of the year. Other big singles were The Bangles' Eternal Flame, Flame that is, Phil Collins' Another Day in Paradise, Roxette's The Look, The B-52's Love Shack, Chicago's Look Away, Paul Abdul's Straight Up and Cold-Hearted Snake, Janet Jackson's Miss You Much, and Poison's Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Musical artists who passed away in 1989 included composer Irving Berlin, composer Donald Voorhees, opera singer Inar Anderson, musician Billy Tipton, composer Mikhail Chulaki, country music singer Blaze Foley, folk singer Trevor Lucas, musician Vincent Crane, musician Joe Raposo, musician Roy Eldridge, musician Carl Stuart Hamblin, musician Alan Civil, composer George Lynn, country music singer Keith Whitley, jazz trumpet player Woody Shaw, guitarist John Cipollina, composer Giuseppe Patane, composer Vaclav Kaslik, singer Nara Leo, singer Rashid Bebudov, musician Pete DeFridas, Albany Jones, Hibari Musora, pianist John Ogden, singer Raul Sexas, musician Damaso Perez Prado, singer Bradley Kincaid, composer Virgil Thompson, folk singer Ewan McCall, band leader Henry Hall, singer Pedro Vargas, radio disc jockey Roger Scott, singer and soldier Barry Sadler, who sang the song The Ballad of the Green Beret, conductor John Prichard, composer Sammy Fain, composer John Sicker, and Lennox, Lennox Berkeley. As far as Grammys for the actual year of 1989, Bonnie Raitt won Album of the Year, while Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings won Song and Record of the Year. Millie Vanilli won Best New Artist. However, on October 20th, 1990, the Recording Academy, who hands out the Grammy Awards, stripped Millie Vanilli of their reward, or their award, when it was found out that the two people who claimed to have sung on the debut album, Fabrice Morvan and Rob Pilatus, never actually sang the songs. They are, to date, the only artists to have ever had their Grammy Award taken away from them. The award remains vacant because the Academy doesn't actually keep tabs on who plays second in voting. For the record, the other nominees for Best New Artists that year were Nana Cherry, The Indigo Girls, Tone Loke, and Soul to Soul. At the Eurovision Singing Contest held in Lausanne, Switzerland, Riva from Croatia, then a part of Yugoslavia, 
won for the song Rock Me. At the Tony Awards, Jerome Robbins' Broadway won Best Musical and Our Town won Best Revival. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, the hall inducted producer Phil Spector into the non-performers category. The Ink Spots, Bessie Smith, and the Soul Stirrers were inducted into the Early Influencers category. In the Performers category, the Hall inducted Dion, the Rolling Stones, Stevie Wonder, Otis Redding, and this next group. Eddie Kendricks was born in 1939. In the late 1950s, Eddie moved to Detroit, Michigan, where he was a part of the group called The Primes. The manager of the Primes would later do an all-female spin-off group called the Primettes. The world would later know that group as the Supremes. Once the Primes broke up, Eddie would help found the Temptations. The Temptations were formed in 1960 as a combination of two Detroit groups, the Distance and the Primes. Over the decades, they had two different name changes from the Elgins to the Pirates to the Temptations. They also went through 25 members, at least seven of those before what became known as the classic lineup of Eddie Kendricks, Otis Williams, David Ruffin, Paul Williams, and Melvin Franklin. The Temptations went through a dry spell for the first four years until they got to the classic lineup in 1964. Once the song, The Way You Do the Things You Do, went to the top 20, things finally started to click for the group. They had some of the biggest hits in Motown history, including Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Just My Imagination, Ball of Confusion, and their signature song, My Girl. My Girl was written not by anybody in The Temptations, but by members of another Motown group, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, specifically Smokey Robinson and Ronald White. Smokey wrote about his wife, Miracles member Claudette Rogers Robinson. Back in the 1960s, the major R&B record labels, Motown and Stax Records, packaged their respective groups into tours. Motown called theirs the Motown Review. One night on tour, Smokey caught the Temptations portion of the show and was so impressed with the group that he decided to let the group record the song instead of the Miracles, who were originally supposed to record it. David Ruffin took lead on the song. The song My Girl was released on December 21, 1964. It became not only their first number one hit on Billboard's pop chart, but also Motown's first number one hit on that same chart. It was also the 10th biggest hit of 1965. Eddie did a lot of other things for the group. He co-wrote a bunch of their biggest hits. He was their wardrobe manager. He did the vocal arrangements and sang lead. Eddie was known for his high-quality falsetto vocal style. Eddie stayed with the group until 1971 when group infighting 
the way their music was straying from the ballads that they made their name with to a more psychedelic musical direction, hence the song Ball of Confusion, and Eddie's relationship with Motown Records finally took their toll. David Ruffin would also leave the group. Kendrick would go on to have a pretty good solo career, while The Temptations would have a few more hits in the 1970s and 80s. It wouldn't be like it was in the 1960s, though. Presented for induction by Daryl Hall and John Oates, who would themselves become part of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Temptations, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Class of 1989. Normally, at this point in the podcast, I would make the case for someone to go into the performers category of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. However, this legend isn't eligible for that category. Therefore, I am making the case for him to be inducted in as an early influencer. The criteria for induction into the early influencers category of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that it is for people, quote, whose music predated rock and roll, but had an impact on the evolution of rock and roll and inspired rock's leading artists, end quote. That category runs from blues to gospel to folk to even jazz. Some of the people who have gotten into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame under that category include Louis Armstrong, Lead Belly, Woody Guthrie, and Nat King Cole. Now, if a crooner like Nat King Cole is in the Hall of Fame, then why not the greatest crooner of all time, Frank Sinatra? With Nat King Cole in mind, let's review Sinatra's resume for those of you who are completely unfamiliar with Frank Sinatra. And to those people, I say, really, where have you been? First off, he's Frank Sinatra. Honestly, nothing more needs to be said. Oh, okay, you need more. Fine. Apparently, no one told you who Frank Sinatra was. First, He's nicknamed The Voice for a reason. He is perhaps the greatest singer of the early part of the 20th century and possibly the entire century. The way he both attacked words with his intonation and seduced them is the stuff of legend. You want rock and roll swagger? Oh, please, he had that in spades. He practically defined cool. The rock and roll lifestyle? Dude, he invented that as well. Ever seen footage of the Rat Pack or his resume of all the women he slept with? Dude had rock and roll lifestyle by the throat long before rock and roll even existed. Now, if you want to get your feet wet, go with virtually any of his greatest hits albums. If you want to deep dive into them, might I suggest you go with any of his box sets, of which he definitely has an awful lot of them. 
Now, I know that crooners can't make it into the hall who are around in the present day, and that no matter what they do, Harry Connick Jr., Michael Buble, Josh Groden, and company are never getting in. However, Frank predates rock and roll. He was doing it back in the 1940s, which is why he should be eligible for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an early influencer. Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts is one of the premier performing venues in America. The facility holds the Metropolitan Opera, the New York Ballet, the New York City Opera, the New York Philharmonic, a New York City Library for the Performing Arts, and the Juilliard School for the Performing Arts, who also happens to have as famous alumni, actors Christopher Reeve and Robin Williams. In 1987, jazz and classical trumpet player Wynton Marsalis started a jazz concert series, which grew into Jazz at Lincoln Center Foundation in 1996. The foundation runs an academy that offers free programs for schools. In 2004, the foundation started the Nesui Erdogan Jazz Hall of Fame. The hall is named after Nisui Erdogan, who, along with his brother Ahmet, founded Atlantic Records. The hall voters are made up of 60 international experts of musicians and scholars. There is no physical building to visit as of yet, at least for a hall. In its first class in 2004, the hall inducted acts like Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Billie Holiday, and this next artist. Trumpet player Miles Davis grew up in Illinois and received his first trumpet at the age of nine. Davis went to college at the Juilliard School, which was then known as the Institute of of Musical Arts in New York City, but ended up dropping out because, as he put it, they concentrated on European music. He decided to play the club scene with his mentor and friend, Charlie Parker. It was with Charlie Parker that he helped develop the bebop style of jazz, recording what became known as the Birth of Cool album. During this time, he received criticism from black musicians for having white musicians in his band, but Davis didn't care about color, only ability. Also during this time, he went off to Paris where he played in clubs and had a romance with actress and singer Juliette Grieco. When he got back from Paris, his style switched from bebop to hard bop. He also had a very nasty drug problem, which led to what is considered his blue period. By 1955, he had gotten off of drugs. Numerous shifts in his music happened, and during the next 15 years, he put out what became classic jazz albums. He had Roundabout Midnight, Milestones, Kind of Blue, and Seven Steps 
to heaven. Along the way, he played with jazz greats such as John Coltrane, Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea, and Wayne Shorter. In 1969, Davis wanted to bring his music to a new generation who had grown up on Motown and James Brown. By that time, Davis had started experimenting with electronic music and wanted to take it to the next level. He recorded his next album over three days in August. A lot of the album was improvised. The post-production was interesting as well. A lot of the songs were shorter versions pieced together to make a longer song. Song lengths ranged from 4 minutes to 27 minutes. Also, there were multiple instruments playing different things at the same time. For instance, two bass players, one playing double bass and the other playing bass guitar. Davis also incorporated funk into the songs. On March 30, 1970, the double album was released. It became an influential album from 70s funk artists such as Sly Stone and George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. It also influenced Radiohead on the album OK Computer and spurred interest in jazz again in the mainstream, helping to create a new style of jazz called Jazz Fusion. The album that influenced a generation of artists and genres such as funk, dance, and R&B in the 1970s was Miles Davis's aptly titled Bitches Brew. Miles would also influence all genres of music with albums like On the Corner, Miles Smiles, and Kind of Blue before passing away in 1991 at the age of 65. The legendary Mr. Miles Davis, inducted into the Erdogan Jazz Academy Hall of Fame in 2004. And that is it for the Music Halls of Fame podcast number 122. For more music podcasts, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, Hubhopper, OnlyFans, and Patreon, all under Music History Today. You can find us on our website at www.cjbtproductions.com. Our email address is musichistorytoday at gmail.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at CJBT Productions. Our Facebook page is Music History Today. Also, our SoundCloud is Music History Today. And you can find us on YouTube by searching Music History Today. This has been a CJBT Productions podcast. Thank you very, very much for listening. (laughs) 